Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons, National Director of Scouting, uh, National Signing Day savant, Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. And, uh, and yeah, this is the, the Signing Day live sort of instant reaction has been a portion and a part of our uh, content, Barton, ever since we've, uh, we've been working together because of just the, the incredible amount of, of information that you're able to synthesize and compile with your friends at 24 seven sports. And like of all of the signing day reactions that we've done this one, as you, uh, as you predicted a little bit in the signing day preview, this one's pretty straight and narrow. We've got like a, a manager, we've got, it's not uh, all that widespread in terms of our biggest stories. It's just a couple of handfuls of names, a couple of handfuls of teams, but it's almost in the books. How are you? Uh, how are you doing as we're sitting here recording on Wednesday night? Man, I'm tired, Chip. I'm ready for it to all be over. I got to get off this. I got another radio after this, and then I got to write our winners and losers, and then I'm going to go home and watch a show or something. Just my, but, but look, this is a, this is a signing class where we saw the cream rise to the top, where we saw more cream than usual at the top. And I think we saw it's, it's, it was a, it definitely isn't a changing of the guard. I mean, Georgia ended up number one, but I think just like more teams joining Alabama as an operation that can do this on an annual basis. They are running away from everybody else. Like there, like there is a train that it is leaving, has left the station and, you know, we've seen in the last couple of years Clemson be able to come get on board. Uh, we've seen in the Urban Meyer era, uh, you know, Ohio State level up to be one of those players. I I feel like you can take. Actually, you know what? This was I'm Barton. You we've been talking to each other enough that I think you're in my head now. But it really is like even though teams like Florida and Auburn are in the top ten, it feels like they're in a different top ten than the top five teams. It's all about neighborhoods. It's all about what's your neighborhood. It doesn't matter if you're 14th versus 12th. What matters is what neighborhood are you in and where are those cutoffs to, to the different areas of town. And the high-class area town that's driving the Teslas and as, as the gates in the front yard is those five of Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, um, and uh, Ohio State. Oh, I just Ohio State. Um, now, I, hey, look, Texas A and M—they bought their Tesla. Like they <laughs> maybe don't have the 
maybe they don't have this the, like the intercom on the on the gate yet or right. whatever. But they're they're making some moves. Like Texas A&M had a, the the McKinley Jackson Texas A&M landed McKinley Jackson today. Uh, big win over Alabama in that one, and you know that's the kind of and it's not as if like that, that's why Jimbo Fisher's there. That's exactly why Jimbo Fisher. It was hired at Texas A&M because there was an assumption and a belief and a hope that he could do things like land McKinley Jackson on National Signing Day over Alabama, and so he did that. And and there A&M lands at sixth, and that's a pretty good spot for A&M to be. Um, and you know, so that's that, that's that's close. But you're right. I think like there's the top five. There's everyone else. Uh, I'd say there's top fives, and then there's like the next five, and then there's probably a group of like three then there's a group of like eight you know we're just sort of going these little and, and and whether you're you know fourth or first in your tier your tier is 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 sort of where you're at from a talent standpoint there were a lot of pieces of the georgia class that finished number one with work that was done in december as you look at the class as a whole you know where are the where are you hanging your hat and where are you buying your stock on having players and having positions that are going to be difference makers for the Bulldogs in a couple of years? Offensive line is continues to be um, a really elite group. They're big, they're athletic, they're, they're tough. I mean, they're, this is just a good offensive line group. I think corner is the other group I'm, I'm very confident will be really good in – Jalen Kimber and Keely Ringo. I think there is a probably the player I like the best in this class for Georgia, and one of my favorite players in this class. Period is a defensive tackle named Jalen Carter, who played tight end most of his career before this year. He's just a he's just a beast, just a monster. I, I I'm, he's so good, and so I think that guy plays as a freshman, um, and and then. You know, they got some really speedy wide receivers. And Georgia hasn't always gotten the ball to their speedy wide receivers effectively, but Jermaine Burton and, and Arian Smith and these guys at least have a transfer quarterback and Jamie Newman to maybe get it to them. So there there's there's some there's some weapons coming in for sure. What about um the the one of the questions that was posed to us on CBS Sports HQ was uh to try and put Alabama in into perspective and I I have found that, you know, I'm almost finding myself being a little bit more vocal about Alabama because we're trying to we're, we're trying to write the downfall. We're trying to look at this, uh, you know, finishing number two instead of number one as a sign that things are coming to some kind of end. And and I just, you know, to take a step back and to allow myself to take the other side of that position, what we're looking at, you know, that they were, yes, down at halftime pretty big to LSU. And the final score did not indicate the difference between those two teams. But I think that what this season has told us with time is that was said way more about LSU. And the loss to Auburn wasn't great. But guess what? That was a loss to Auburn without Tua Tagovailoa. So to to look at Alabama, even with the setbacks that they had, and to view the kind of performance uh, statistically on the season that they had, like I am – I, I look at the recruiting trail and, uh, you know, today wasn't a huge day for Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban even came to the podium. He called it, well, I guess this is National Signing Day Limited Edition. You know, like he's even he seems to be downplaying the idea that, hey, listen, 
the the biggest stars in our class they're not only already signed but they're on campus right now like i i look at alabama and i'm i'm beating back against the narrative that it is all gloom and doom or that we're trending in the wrong direction i i find myself um you know doing doing something that no one's ever done before and uh and being a media member supporting alabama no, I think this is an important clarification that just because Alabama didn't get the number one class and, and, and just because I act like there's there's a new sort of set of royalty in college football from a, in terms of their ability to recruit talent, it's not that Alabama has receded to the pack. It's that a few select teams have, ris- have, have raised their game to, to run with Alabama. And so Alabama is still going to be there. And in fact, this class, I think, gives me more confidence than ever that Alabama is going to be there because it gets a quarterback that extends Alabama's life as having the right signal caller for at least another three years in Bryce Young. It, it also gets at some of the weaknesses of this year's team was defensive front. And this class is loaded with inside linebackers, outside linebackers, defensive interior guys, and Miss McKinley Jackson, but uh, you know Timothy Smith is 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 the real deal. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a class in Alabama that um, is is certainly national title worthy. Where do you? Uh... And I guess we can get outside the SEC for a little bit. All right, Jordan Birch stays with South Carolina. That's that's big. Uh, alleged. I mean, we think mm. he still hasn't sent his LOI mm. in as of right now. It's what five fifty three Central Time. He still hasn't sent his LOI in. Uh, so, you know, what we'll see if the when the dust settles, if it settles, there's uh, we'll see what stories emerge from this one. Uh, what does your gut say? I mean, I guess my gut says that he still lands at South Carolina. South Carolina's sort of acting like it's no big deal, but why didn't he send his LOI in? Like, this is kind of a weird kid. Uh, I, I think LSU, I mean, LSU felt like they had a shot going into the day. So I don't know. I, if, if I had a bet, I'd say he still lands at LSU, or I mean, sorry, still lands at South Carolina. But again, like, there's a reason he took a visit to LSU in January. And I would assume there's a reason he still hasn't sent his LOI in. I don't know what that reason is. We'll see what happens. Have you gotten a chance to read that Steve Spurrier uh, story in The Athletic? No. Mm. I'm telling you. I will. The angst, the angst of – I mean, you know, just to, to have it sting for South Carolina fans to see how, how Spurrier wanted out and how he was talked into coming back and, uh, and, and all the repercussions that have come from that – Boy, they, it would really sting to add on top of some of those revelations having Jordan Birch. The, I mean, is it isn't he straight up hometown or is it in state? Hometown, Columbia. Hometown, Columbia. Will Muschamp was at the presser. Oh my because gosh! Because his son, because his, his son was at the presser. His son was uh, you know, announcing or whatever. Oh, his son who is gonna be uh. Preferred walk on at Georgia. And walk on preferred walk on at Georgia. Yeah, I guess he was at Colorado State because of uh, Mike Bobo, right? Like if his initial commitment was Colorado State, so well. F- no, because he committed. He committed fairly late to Colorado State. Okay. Uh, so I just assumed that was a. I don't know what that was about, but yeah, he's. So I don't know. The whole deal is, um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe Jordan Birch was planning on going to LSU and saw. Must champ in the crowd was like, oh man. Oh man, you gotta say something. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, there's there's some frantic phone calls being made. All right, so we had uh, McKinley Jackson. He goes to Texas A&M. Alabama was trying to get in on there. Broderick Jones was an early-in-the-day commitment, and it was a Georgia commit, and to have him sign was, I guess at the the moment, not necessarily a huge surprise, though about a week out maybe, even headed into last weekend, it seemed like there were other schools that were in the mix for Broderick Jones. Yeah, but he didn't take his official visit to Auburn, and so when when that didn't happen, all, all indications where he was going to land at Georgia. So they, they locked him up. Um, you know, t- Texas jumped into the top 10. Uh, Alfred Collins is their big get of the day. Uh, really good class for Texas. Tennessee, probably one of the bigger. I think they jumped from 15 to 10 with a kid named Malachi Weidman, who they flipped from Florida State, a wide receiver, and Dee Beckwith, uh, another receiver tight end type from Alabama those two guys are both stud basketball players I think this Tennessee class is 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 pretty sick I think this is a good good group um so Tennessee was a winner and and Miami got a big win over Florida Avante Williams Avante Williams fortunately uh Florida landed uh princely umami Yellen um (laughs) and in doing that got some good news because if not it would have been really sad because Florida has had this pretty strong recruiting cycle, and yet they really missed on everyone in the early signing period and almost missed on everyone in the late signing period. So, you know, these really nice recruiting stretches were punctuated by these really disappointing days. But in, in getting the, the princely Mommy Ellen kid from uh, from uh, Texas, it was, uh, you know, they, they had some some good news to, to point to finally. So it's like, cause as they've been on the table, but not having the hat picked, I guess you could say for a lot of these big names in December. And now again, earlier today, that means that the class, which again, ranks number eight in the country has got a lot of solid pieces. It's just from a narrative perspective. It's, uh, it stinks to not have those top build difference makers. That's, I mean, that's what like signing day. I mean, I think some of these schools, at least in the old days, would they'd hold off on a commitment and ask them to 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 commit on signing day so that they could get some juice from it because ultimately that's it doesn't matter what you do the other 364 days. It, you know, all people want to talk about is who won signing day, and so um, that's that's been a Florida's been a little snake bit on signing day this year, but the class itself. Like you said, I mean, the class itself is actually really good. Yeah. All right. So are we the problem then? Like by by just by putting it just on the national signing day or with the early signing period has the the 24 or the 12 month a year sort of recruiting calendar that all these coaching staffs and programs have adopted, you know, are are they even as concerned as they used to be about being a quote unquote winner on signing day? I'm sure they're not. I actually just talked to a coach before we got on the phone. Um, that's I was at a school that didn't sign anybody on signing day. Um, just like he was literally calling about something with nothing to do with national signing day, uh, and he 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 was just chilling today. You know, there's a lot of schools that just had nothing to worry about. Uh, and wasn't Ohio State a zero? Ohio State had nobody that they were sweating out, right? Uh, Ohio State was was had no Clemson had nobody that they were worried about. Um, I mean, a lot of these schools just flat out full. Just I mean, Penn State had had no one to worry about. They, I mean, 
Notre Dame had no one to worry about. Like there was, there was a lot of just flat out. We've got nobody left on the board. We're full. No scholarships available. Ends closed. Moving on to 2021. Yeah, I felt like that when we were asked to have some winners and losers, all I could do was, like, in terms of losers, I was like, I don't know. I guess the the few schools that were in the mix and didn't get picked. Like, I don't. I don't think that today the general makeup of uh some of these recruiting classes went like the the USC class was bad at the end of the early signing period. And I didn't see USC in the mix for a lot of big time difference makers. So when USC finishes the recruiting cycle outside of the top 50, it is damning, but it is not any more or less damning than it was yesterday or two weeks ago. Exactly. Like how, <laughs> how much more do we need to pile on to USC? Like, yes, we get it. They're outside the top 50. This USC class sucks. Like, do you want me to say it? Like on December eighteenth, and then every day <laughs> there thereafter. Like, I feel like we can stop. Like USC still doesn't have a good class. I, I tell you, the the loser is, um, you know, if you want one, you go with this collective group. You go with Mike Norvell. You go with uh, Sam Pittman. You go with uh, Lane Kiffin. You go with. Uh, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, you go like I, I say that sort of tongue in cheek because a couple of those guys actually had some good wins. Um, Missouri had a good win with Eli Drinkwitz, and Sam Pittman had a good win with Arkansas today. But generally speaking, like uh, the, the losers are just the new coaches. Like there's just like it's just a losing proposition to be able to put together a class that you're you're that you can be fully excited about with the early signing period because uh, it just wipes all the options out. Like the fact that, in fact, I, I take that back. Like you really just can't even say that about Sam Pittman. Arkansas is 30th in the country. He, he inherited, I think he inherited the, that class at, at 130, uh, 130th in the country. Like they, they literally had six commits when he took over. So they, they got a kid today in Malik Hornsby, who's a really good quarterback prospect. That's a huge win. Um, watch the Missouri football Twitter accounts where, I, I re, you can go to my Twitter. I retweeted it during the day at some point. Uh, where Eli Drinkwitz, the new head coach of Missouri, responds to to landing this kid Ennis Rakestraw, and I, I don't. I, I literally don't think that they. In fact, like our in, intel going into the announcement was that they expected him to hit land somewhere else, and you're sitting there and you can see a video of of Drinkwitz watching the kid's commitment where he commits to Missouri and he's, he just, he just goes off like in celebration uh, cause he's so shocked and excited. So, so I, I, um, I contradicted myself. Some of those guys did have some good moments, but I think generally speaking, new coaches were in a tough position with the early signing period t- to get anything done. You, uh, you are a pro for doing the pack in context. Like we're always, uh, always taught to not just assume the audience knows who they are, but it does say something that I do think Eli Drinkwitz is a context necessary coach. You got a few, <laughs> you got a few years before uh, we can say Eli Drinkwitz and just have everyone know immediately who we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, yeah, there's some west of west of the Mississippi types that may may not quite know Eli too well yet. 
Coming up on the other side, more news and notes from National Signing Day and a busy day and week in the transfer portal. Next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hip Hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. So uh, I guess we can pull in some of this. So KJ Costello, Transfer Portal News, I guess from like the weekend, a couple days ago, commits yeah. to Mississippi State. Uh, so that's going to be for uh, – that's got to be for Mike Leach, a a known quantity. Uh, we saw KJ Costello when he had J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Colby Parkinson. We saw him air it out uh, just a little bit. So – and a couple other transfer portal names. Ricky Slade hit the transfer portal. Uh, Booby Whitlow, from, uh, Ricky Slade from Penn State. That was a Booby Whitlow was a weird one. I mean, surprising one. I uh, I, could, I get Ricky Slade all the way because that Penn State running back room is like busting at the seams with running back talent. So hey, Ricky Slade, man, you know no 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 uh, no uh, respect loss there. Like I get it, man. Go find some carry somewhere else. I think, but Booby Whitlow is supposed to be the guy for Auburn next year. I wonder what's going on there. Uh, buddy Jerry Hinnon, formerly with CBS Sports, uh, put it in a way, so I'd like to give him credit. He said um, he thought that Whitlow was in this weird middle place, and, I, and I'll call it like a, a medium place, uh, that you know he's not so great that he is worth getting a lion's share of the carries in that Auburn backfield, but yet he's so much better than just getting a third of them. Like he's got that, you know, we, we've seen so often uh, both, well, not so often, we've seen both sides of that with Gus Malzahn offense where, you know, maybe it's on Johnson shouldering the load almost entirely, but then he goes through other stretches where it is very much a by-committee approach and maybe as he's, um, as he's looking around, maybe he views himself as someone that deserves more than by committee approach, and maybe the Auburn coaching staff doesn't. But it's it's a little bit of a, a loaded room, or a, there's enough talent in that running back room that I can see why the coaching staff would want to split carries around more than maybe what Whitlow's looking for. I guess, but that's a very old school thought process. I mean, DJ Williams is is really good, but. Who else is in there stealing carries from them? Uh, I mean, they they just got uh, a, a really good player and Tank Bigsby coming in in this class, but I, you know, I don't know. I mean, who's out here begging for thirty carries a game um, in in today's world? So maybe that's why. But I just that, that just sort of caught me off guard with that one. You think that might be that might just be a a time fit place? Jartavius is ready to move on. Yeah, it could be. Who knows what the like? I 
I wouldn't be surprised if there's something like non-football related that that's you know just made him want to get a new start somewhere. That's just I mean, just because it doesn't make like from a football side, it just doesn't make sense. I'm not speculating. I, I don't want to speculate. I'm just uh, that's one that I, I would need to hear the backstory on. What was um, were, were there any other transfer portal names that popped up recently that drew your eye? No, I mean, I mean, obviously KJ Costello was the big one, uh, and and that was critical because what's what's Mike Leak is going to do if he doesn't get KJ Costello? <coughs> um, our boy Garrett Schrader is not going mean, to. That's not a Mike Leach quarterback, uh, and and he's one of the guys that talk about new coaches like Mike Leach. His his whole deal benefited from being a post early signing day firing. He steps in and. Joe Moore had put together this really solid class for him, just handed it to him. He didn't have to do anything. Those guys are signed. All he had to do is just make sure no one wants to request a, you know, a release from their LOI. Uh, so, but he he needed to get a quarterback that could play, and and I think KJ Costello uh, certainly can. So, no, that that was that's the only one that necessarily has caught my eye here of late. All right, Mississippi State is number twenty-seven in the twenty-four-seven Sports composite. Do you think that in the Mike Leach era, that will be one of the two highest ranked classes? More than likely, unless, but you never know. Unless, you, unless they start winning a bunch, and then I don't know, people might just be compelled to come. Uh, it was interesting hearing on the twenty four seven Sports Show, Mike Leach was talking about uh, the four hour radius around Starkville and how it's one of the best four hour radiuses in the country if you use your compass that you get in math class and he talked about hit, you know hitting atlanta nashville uh all of louisiana a little bit of texas memphis like hey you know sounds sounds good to me so let's see if they can see if they can get it done uh miami as you mentioned them a little bit earlier they were big movers um from number 18 up to number 13 today with the uh the addition of avante williams and, and locking down that class are you believing that things are – we've been talking about Miami a lot on this podcast. I feel like Miami fans are offering a lot of Miami questions through the mailbag. So I guess for our uh, – we've already addressed our beloved Georgia Bulldogs. For our budding Miami listeners, what's the what's, what's the final grade for the Hurricanes uh, recruiting class? Uh, uh, decent to quite decent. Like – solid passing acceptable that's so so that's another example of the way that you threw out when we were talking about the tiers of these rankings just because miami's 13 and texas is nine does not mean miami's close to texas uh let's see i would say miami is not close to texas i would say miami is close to michigan i'd say miami's close to miami i'd say miami's close to oklahoma and penn state I don't think they're close to Texas. Got they're it. certainly not close to Florida. Right. Daggum. Um, and by the way, I know we have a very national audience listenership, and I know they get frustrated when anything turns into SEC discussion alone, but there's a reason we're only talking SEC today. SEC is the only only conference that was doing anything today. Not from a like, I mean, certainly there are some wins around the country, but like, just that's the way the SEC operates. They save a lot of their work till they they they, they procrastinate a little bit 
I saved some work till till the day before the test, and uh, that's just kind of what the what the news was today on signing day. Hey, and you want to know why? Because, or at least I can only um, apply my own procrastination history and. The times when I felt like I could really procrastinate is because I was really good in that class. Right. <laughs> like I, There's no doubt. I, I procrastinated when I felt like I had a handle on it, when I felt like I was pretty good at it based on a history of being really good despite procrastination. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, if, if you're, you know, I was a history major and the reason I was a history major is because I was really good at, at BSing in those essays, <laughs> fill up those blue books. And you know what? If you can BS your way through a blue book, you don't have to do all the reading, man. So uh, that, that is yeah. the, that's the SEC recruiting experience. <laughs> BSing your way Just, through the blue book. <laughs> yeah, they they are they are BSing their way. But they, man, they can fill up those blue books. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, but this, they were the headlines of the day, uh, for the 15th year in a row. 17, right. yeah, whatever it is. Like, uh, who's, who's the number one class again? It's, it's the Georgia Bulldogs and Alabama. And then they're followed by LSU and Texas A&M and Auburn and Florida and Tennessee. Is that, uh, seven out of the top 10? Yeah, I mean, when we, when we went through that list of teams that didn't have any guys that they were even trying to get, like, I don't, I don't think I mentioned an SEC school. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were all they non-SEC all. schools, <laughs> uh, blue bloods at that, but they just weren't SEC schools, and they didn't have any work to do. Oh man, well, thank you very much. You did great work today. Pass along uh, our kind words to to Steve Wiltfong, everybody at the. Uh, the 24-7 desk. Y'all crushed it. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, enjoy watching a show and not thinking about recruiting for just a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to moving on tomorrow into uh, 2021 college football. And uh, let's let's not talk recruiting for a couple months. I got you. <laughs> Deal? <laughs> Deal. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right. Later. fantasy warriors i'm heath cummings your guide to fantasy dominance on fft dynasty join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy if if i was adam with the team that he's built will levis makes so much more sense and that's not all we're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 nfl draft prospect profiles uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.